today to teach some more on our spiritual hearts and today we're going to study the creation of man how God created us how all our parts function what all our parts are and how they function how they interact with each other because it's very important uh, to understand how all of that works I want to again read the scripture from Psalm 119 and 32 as we said last time every problem is a heart problem God's whatever is in our heart is stopping us from uh, allowing the kingdom to be released within us. And so in Psalm 119, verse 32, I run in the paths of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Everything is bondage in the heart, but once we cooperate with the Holy Spirit who wants to set our heart free, he's there to sanctify us, which is to make us holy, cooperate with him, our hearts are free. We want to do the right thing. We want to live for God. We want to all the time, but we can't seem to because we're going in circles because our own heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. But you set my heart free. I run in the paths of your commands. Wow, powerful stuff. I'm also going to read verse 45. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. Your way of living, your way of doing things, the, the principles of your kingdom, working them into my life is what that means. Walk about in freedom. No more depression, no more anxiety, no more fear, no, none of those negative things anymore. We are free. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. We're going to explain how all that stuff got into our heart, but we're going to also explain how to work your way out of it by faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 48 says, I lift up my hands for your commands, which I love, and I meditate on your decrees. Wow. A lot of teaching, a lot of good teaching is really going to help you. But we're going to start out with how God created us. And it's important that we understand our heart compared to our minds. Um, if somebody sneaks up behind you and scares you, you don't say, oh, you scared me. No, what happens? Our emotions are down here where our heart is. And so when somebody scares you, oh, you scared me. See, it's, it's down here. Uh, ladies, if your husband comes in the house and says, I love you with all of my mind, you're going to turn him around and kick him in the behind and tell him to get out till he gets this right. You know he's supposed to say, I love you with all my heart, because our life flows out of our heart, so it's all, I love you with all that I am, all that I have within me, every fiber of my being, all of my future, all of my hopes, all of my dreams depend upon you. I love you with all of that. And see, if we love our wives, wives as Christ loved the church, why do we submit to Christ? Because he first loved me. And he has blessed me and done so much for me, I can't help but serve him and love him and want to serve him. And so men, we're the head of the house. If we will love our wives in that way, lay down our lives for them, to make them all that they can be, they are going to naturally submit to that loving relationship. So everything is a heart issue, but we have to understand our hearts. 
So much of Christianity is a head trip because we understand it in our head, but faith is of the heart. With the heart, man believes. Uh, I often talk about healing, that people, will, you know, they know God heals, they know the gifts of the Spirit suffer today, and so they come to church and they want prayer for healing. I asked them, did you meditate on the scriptures before you came? Did you stir up your heart to believe? See, you can't do this with your head. You have to believe in your heart. If you believe in your heart and do not doubt, then whatever you ask for will be given to you. If you're not in unforgiveness. See, we have to understand all the principles of God's kingdom and work them into our lives. That's one of the things we'll be talking about is forgiveness from the heart, not just lip service, because everything has to be a heart issue. All right, so we're going to start in Genesis 126. God said, let us make man in our image. Let us, spirit, soul, and body, is the three parts of man because God is a three-part being. God is three, yet he's one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. So God is three yet one, and we are basically three parts. First Thessalonians 5 and 23, Paul says, I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there Paul names the three basic parts of man. Now sometimes when I teach, people have been taught, well, man is just a two-part being. But the scriptures do not allow for a two-part being. We're going to talk to you about the three-part being and how that all functions. And uh, there's three-part salvation. The three parts of salvation means, the Greek word zoso, complete and total deliverance from all evil. Jesus has provided on the cross and through the new birth a new life for us that can put us back in the position that Adam was before he sinned. See, it's a complete and total redemption, a complete restoration of what we lost through Adam, through sin. Jesus has paid for all that sin. So now, through the new birth, he has given us life that gives us back everything we had. Now, but now our hearts have been all messed up with different things in life, but through faith, we can have that answer. It's already given to us. We just have to learn how to work it through. God took a hunk of clay and formed it in the shape of a man, and he breathed into Adam's nostril, that hunk of clay, the breath of life. And the very life that is inside of God went into that hunk of clay, and Adam became a living being. Wow. I mean, his, his, his liver developed, his heart developed, all his organs developed properly, his nervous system. It is just amazing. See, but that's what God is like. We came from out of the airy breath of God, the very lungs of God, and what God, as he breathed and what he wanted it to happen, he was making man in his image, and the Holy Spirit caused that to happen. That is amazing. If God was to breathe on a hunk of wood, it would start to grow branches and bear fruit. If it was a wood from a tree that bore fruit. This is how powerful, this is what has been given to us. This is what we have in us through the new birth. And so salvation, complete and total deliverance from evil, is a three-part process. And we're going to talk about that, justification, sanctification, and glorification. Now, uh, we're going to start with justification, which means we have been justified. We have been accredited with righteousness. 
we have right standing with God. Why? Because Jesus paid for all of our sins. Uh, one of the lessons coming up in the future, we're going to talk about righteousness by faith, the full impact of that, and how we all need our own revelation of that. But this has already happened. This is always past tense, and it deals with our spirit man. We're going to look at Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It is so exciting to get into the Word of God and understand in our hearts. But, see, we can understand with our heads, but we have to have a revelation in our heart for it to affect our lives because our life flows out of our heart. So there's a difference between our head and our heart. This 18 inches from our head to our heart is the toughest journey you'll ever have is to get this into your heart through self-discipline and love for Jesus. So 2 Peter verse one, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 his divine power has given, I want you to notice this is past tense, everything we need for life and godliness. So we have already been given everything we need for life and godliness. This deals with our spirit. The Bible talks about our spirit being born again. And in, uh, we are saved by grace. We are quickened, made alive. This happens, what the Holy Spirit does in our spirit. He quickens it, makes it alive, comes into our spirit. And our spirit becomes powerful in the sense that it partakes of the very nature of God. We are partakers of the divine nature. So we have, this is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, all of these scriptures tie in together. Jesus living in you. He is in us. We are in the Father. We are in him. The Father is in us. The Holy Spirit is in us. All of those scriptures come to understanding here. And so our spirits are born again. They have received the very nature of God in us. And we have been given all things that we need for life and godliness. We're trying to get things from God, and all things have been given to us. See, the secret is that we have to understand how this works in our lives, cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Then we're living in this kingdom. We're seeking his kingdom and living in this kingdom. Then all these other things are added to us. Many people are trying to, every time they have a problem, they run to God. God, give me this. God, do this for me. God, do that for me. What Jesus says, if you will learn to live in my kingdom, I've already given you everything. It already belongs to you. You just have to work it out in your life and live in this kingdom message, and all the blessings will come upon you. Uh, you can go back to Deuteronomy 28, where, where if you will hearken unto the word of the Lord, all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. But if you do not hearken to the word of the Lord your God, then all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. So we have a free will. Uh, the New Testament says, if you sow to the flesh, you from the flesh reap corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you will from the Spirit reap eternal life. It's the same principle of the New Testament as the Old Testament. But we have to see what Jesus has done for us, and we have to change our thinking, and then we have to put that into practice in our lives, because that's the only way our hearts are going to change. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Godliness. We're talking about purifying our hearts. We already have everything we need to do that. I'm going to say it again. We already have everything we need. It's already been given. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world 
caused by evil desires. See, we are born again. We have the very nature of God in our spirits. There is nothing wrong with our spirits. They are the same as God's spirit. The Holy Spirit has quickened us and made us alive. My spirit and your spirit are exactly the same. There is no difference. What makes us different is our hearts, our soul, as we know ourselves. We've been different experiences in our life has caused us to be different. The parents we had, the, the way we grew up, uh, all of those things. We'll talk about that and what's in our heart, but that's what makes us different. But we all are born again. We all have Jesus, the very nature of God, living inside of us. Why do we have so many problems in life? Why do we have so many problems in the church? Because we don't know how to incorporate what we have been given, the power of this new life, into our hearts and into our lives. You can get taught about the Bible, have Bible truths, but if it isn't practical enough to be able to change your life, then that's what it is, just certain surface truths, but that doesn't change your life. As a teacher, by the Spirit of God and the grace of God, I get down to the bottom line of how everything works and how to work it into your life. I've had to do that to change my life. And so we're going to get to the very foundational principles that we must build in our heart. The foundational principles <clears throat> even of a blood covenant, the understanding of blood covenant. Because you have to build your faith on those kind of things. You have to build your faith on the fact that Jesus has already provided it for you. If you don't know what's in you, you don't know how to access it, then you can get taught everything you want about the Bible, but it will not change your life because you don't know how to put it into practice and you don't know your own heart and you don't know what the problems are. So we're going to sort all of that thing out. But this is past tense. So this is the salvation of our spirit, complete and total deliverance from everything that is evil. This is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the new creation. This is the new man. And this is what we have to live by faith. Now, the other scripture he uses, Hebrews 10 and verse 14, where it says that Jesus, by one sacrifice, has perfected forever. Wow, that is so, my, my heart is just thrilled every time I say it. Jesus has perfected forever those who are being made holy. You and I in the process of being made holy by the Holy Spirit. But Jesus has already paid for all of our sins. So from God's eyes, we have been perfected forever. We don't have to try to be good to please God. He's already accepted us. He's already died for us. We've already arrived in that sense, spiritually speaking. But we need to please him and live for him because we have been predestined to be changed in the image of a son. Jesus died so we could have this powerful new life. But we can't experience it unless we die to ourselves and live for him. This is the way God has created our hearts. This is the way it works. This is the way it's set up. This is the way the kingdom works. This is the way the blessings of God come. Seek first the kingdom of God and his right way of life. Then these things are added to you. See, we have to understand this all from God's perspective. I call this kingdom thinking, kingdom teaching. If you don't think kingdom, you will not live kingdom. If you don't live kingdom, then you're going around in circles and you end up getting religious, having a form of religion by denying the power of it, the power to change your life. So these are very, very crucial foundational things that you must understand to even get to the next level or you just keep going in circles. And so he has perfected forever. We have a right standing with God forever because of Jesus. While we are being made holy, God knows we're going to make mistakes. 
When we make a mistake, when I sin, my heart convicts me. I'm glad that it does because then I know I've offended my God. The first thing I do is ask for forgiveness from God, ask for forgiveness from the people if I've sinned against them or hurt them in any way, and I go back to my right standing in Jesus. We'll teach about this on righteousness. Then I'm back in his grace. But if I don't repent, I've gone farther into darkness and I've seared my conscience. Ever so little maybe, but if I keep doing that, my conscience gets so seared that after a while it doesn't bother me and my conscience doesn't convict me that I've done something wrong. See, I have become insensitive to God and to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God because I have not followed the instructions of repenting and going back to Jesus. Think of the parable of the prodigal son. All God wants is that when we make mistakes, we come back to him because if we don't, the devil gets greater hold on us and he starts to lose us. So he's, he's already died. He's already paid for all of your sins. Jesus said he did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. He has done this for every single person on the face of the earth. I don't care what religion they have, whether they're Muslim, Buddha, or whatever. He has died for them. This is all there for them. All they have to do is come to Jesus. But as Christians, we just have to get to know these things better so that we can live for Jesus. He died for us so that we could live for him. We're, we're going to get deeper into this kind of thinking because this is so foundational for everyone. Even if you've been a Christian for a long while, maybe you feel that you, you've lost your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit or you haven't learned how to hear from God. All of this will clear up as we start putting these things into practice in our lives. It's a process. So our spirits have been saved already. Total deliverance from all evil. We are one with the Spirit of God. Now the second part of salvation is sanctification, which means to make holy. So justification is always past tense in the Bible. Sanctification is always present, ongoing tense, because it goes on for the rest of our lives. We are being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. This is what he does in our hearts. He brings all things back to our remembrance. He quickens the word. He's the spirit of truth. He's our comforter. Everything. He is, Jesus said, I, I need to go so I can send the Holy Spirit so everybody can have me in them, basically is what he's saying. And so this all comes down to such a personal, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, and you've already been accepted. People are always still trying to be good enough so God will like them because they don't like themselves. See, we have to get past all of that with a revelation of righteousness by faith in our hearts. And so when it comes to sanctification, it's always present, ongoing tense. And we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 2, and we'll see there what Paul says. He talks to us about working out our salvation with fear and trembling. See, the point is, we already have our salvation. It's everything we need has already been given to us. It's in our born-again spirit. We have to learn to walk in the spirit and bring the power of that new life into our heart through experience by living the word, and then we start to become holy. Philippians chapter 2, verse um, 12 Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation, not work for it. See, you already have it in your spirit. You've got to work it out in your life. 
You got to work it out in your heart, work it out in your soul. But you already have it. It's already given to you. It's sort of like a math problem. You have all the equations there. You just have to put them together right to come up with the right solution. Um, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This deals with the fear of the Lord. Here's where a lot of problems happen in the body of Christ. We, we teach faith and who we are in Christ, and we're not under law, we're under grace. But grace is so awesome because it's God gives grace to the humble. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. See, everything comes down to character. Are we humble? He gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud. So we have to deal with our pride. We're going to teach you how to deal with your pride. See, because we can't change on our own. We have to submit our hearts, not our mind, but our hearts to the Lordship of Jesus. He died for me. I owe him my life. I owe him my internal destiny. I owe him everything. So I am sold out to him completely, as I know, as far as I know. But he deals with more things in my heart that I still have to give over to him more. For it is God who works in you. God who works in you. That, that's such, we could make three or four lessons on that. God working in you. To will and to act according to his good purpose. To will and to act according to his good purpose. He works in us. See, when I meditate on the word of God, the Holy Spirit is my teacher. If I'm really hungry for God... And Jesus said, with whatever measure you meet, so is it measured to you. To the degree that I'm hungry for God and want to learn and want to serve him, to that degree I get revelation and understanding. This is because God does not force us to live for him. This helps us then to have the fear of the Lord because if I get doing the wrong things and I steer my conscience, then I'm getting removed from God and he's not pleased with me and he can't let his grace flow with me because I have removed myself from him willingly, knowing that I did something wrong. See, this is where the fear of the Lord comes in. Grace is so wonderful, but if you do not have the fear of the Lord, then you will be in trouble. Because your heart will say to you, it will deceive you, it will say, oh well, Jesus paid for your sin, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's something we're going to talk about also. You have right standing with God because of Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, that's a privileged position that we can live from that position of acceptance already. But we are not yet righteous. We have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We have to be doers of the word and not hearers only. We have to fulfill the Ten Commandments. We don't keep the Ten Commandments. We fulfill them out of the power of a new life by God's grace. But for him to work in us, we have to cooperate with him. So all of these things are very important to understand. How does our heart deceive us? Well, we, we say we understand grace with our head, but if we don't have the fear of the Lord, you know, oh, well, I really want to do this, so I'll do it. I'll ask God for forgiveness later. Or I'm already accepted by God. I'm already perfect to him. No, you have right standing. You're not perfect yet because the Holy Spirit is in the process of making you perfect. While he's doing that, you always have that right standing, but you have to repent and come back to Jesus, ask for forgiveness to be in that right standing again where the grace of God can now flow in your life. The Bible talks about falling from grace, but those things aren't taught. Uh, how do you fall from grace? Well, just having a bad attitude, not dealing with issues. 
and you sear your conscience. So there has to be a fear of the Lord. Job feared God and he shunned evil. See, we fear God, we don't want anything to do with evil. When I became a Christian, as I said, the people treated me worse than the people in the bar room. Because in the bar room, when somebody gave you a hard time, you went outside and you talked about it. And so there was always a fear of getting hurt or getting beat up if you offended someone. So everybody, you know, treated each other properly. But in the church, people would talk about you and gossip and, and run you down and, and twist and pervert things you said and, and be judgmental and critical. It was terrible. Why? Because there was no fear of God. They thought, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I can do whatever I want, I can say without whatever I want without any repercussions. But when you sit in judgmental criticism of other and gossip about people, then you're reinforcing that attitude in your heart, and it's becoming stronger, and it's removing you, your heart from a sensitivity towards God. It is not humbling your heart, it's causing more pride to come in, because you're sitting in judgment of someone else, which is what pride does. See, we have to understand our hearts and how all these things work so that we start to get the fear of the Lord. The Bible says that he's going to shake everything that can be shaken in these last days. That includes everything in our heart. All these things must come to pass, Jesus said, wars and rumors of wars, but do not let your heart be troubled. See, we have to learn to trust in him. We have to purify our hearts so that we have peace in him. So all of these things. So... Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We're gonna, we have to work it out. That's a process. We have to make every effort, the Bible tells us. And so there's parts that we have to do, but the reassuring part is we have right standing. We always have Jesus. We mess up, we can come back to him over and over. But we have to understand the problem so that we can deal with it to get rid of it. Now, if we don't do that, then what will happen is that our conscience gets seared and then we're in a state where we think we're all right and we're not okay. So grace is wonderful, but we must have the fear of the Lord. James chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. Let's uh, just turn and read there. Therefore, get rid of all... Let's start at verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. God is desiring a righteous life. We have right standing, but he's desiring a righteous life. So people say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No, we have right standing in Christ Jesus. Yes, we are accredited with righteousness, but they, they say it like they have arrived. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, my emphasis is, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But am I living in Christ Jesus for right living? Therefore, because of this, to, to bring about this righteous life that God desires, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. First time my wife read that, she thought, I thought I was already saved. See, we're talking about total and complete deliverance and freedom from everything that is evil within our hearts. We're talking about the salvation of your soul. Your spirit is already saved. 
Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So if we only listen to the word and we don't put it into practice, then we are deceiving ourselves. Why? Because knowledge puffs up. And we think we're spiritual because we got this revelation from God. It came by the Holy Spirit. And we get puffed up with our knowledge. But we're not living the word, so now we're deceived because we think we're spiritual. We're not because we haven't lived that word yet. See, we must work this into our lives, into our hearts, so that it becomes a part of our heart through that experience. We're going to talk about that and explain that clearly. But it talks here, which can save your soul. The word of God, humbleness. God's give grace to the humble. Receive it humbly because then by his grace you receive a revelation of it. It explodes within your heart. Oh, wow, now I see it. And it gives you the desire to fulfill that word. It gives you the desire to live that word. See, this all happens in our heart, but we have to go about it the proper way. Um, so this is very, very important that we cooperate with this. Let's look at 1 Peter 1 and verse 9. And this is all good stuff here, too. What I want you to do, I'm, I'm taking these scriptures, but you need to read what's before these scriptures, what's after these scriptures, get the whole concept. But these points are key points to explain how God has created us, how everything functions. And so this new life that you have in your spirit, now we have to get that into our soul by dying to ourselves and living for Jesus. Take up your cross daily. Every day we need to die to ourselves. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling every day. So this is, a, this is all different ways. Put off the old man, put on the new man. This is all different sayings that apply to the same thing. Purifying your heart, working out your salvation, becoming like Jesus, being conformed into the image of his son. All of these are the same things. Be you holy as I am holy, purifying your heart. All of these things are dealing with the area of the soul. And in 1 Peter 1 and 9, he's talking here about being refined by fire and, and tests and the testing of our faith. And uh, James talks about that also. Um, I'm going to start here in verse 8, I believe it is. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him are fill and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving, you are receiving, ongoing present tense, the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. In your heart, purifying your heart, being released from all the evil in your heart, all the negative emotions, all the hurts of the past, all of those things, by incorporating this word and living it, not just hearing it. <coughs> this is the goal of our faith. This is what faith is all about. Faith is not just to receive things from God and receive blessings from God, receive healings from God. The goal of your faith is the salvation of your soul. Everything else will fall into place. Because you will be fulfilling the law. You will be blessed coming in and going out. The blessings will overtake you. All of these things have to do with the salvation of your soul. So sometimes you'll hear an evangelist say, well, we went overseas and so many souls were saved. Well, actually, when you understand the Bible correctly and salvation, those souls aren't saved yet. Their spirits are saved. They are delivered from all evil. Now they need a teacher to come and teach them how to work this through in their life. They need a pastor to help them pastor their way through these things. 
See, they need all the gifts. They need the prophetic element. They need to be prophesied to. They need to be encouraged. You know, they, they need all the fivefold ministry gifts to complete the whole concept of salvation and working it out. So you're under, starting to understand this concept of salvation is not just I'm saved, uh, Jesus paid for my sins, I'm going to heaven. No, it's a whole point of working this into your heart and working it out. Now the third part of salvation is, um, well let me back up here. Well, we'll talk about the soul a little bit later. But the third part of salvation is glorification, which is always future tense. And this talks about our glorified body. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is really good on that. You can read that yourself. I'll just mention a few things here concerning chapter 15. But it talks about the resurrection of the dead, uh, which is the resurrection of our bodies. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. It's easy for me to believe in the resurrection of the dead because it's the word of God. I have experienced Jesus in my heart. And so, because I've experienced him in my heart, I know that he died for my sins. And because I've experienced in my heart, I know he's been raised from the dead. Because if he was not raised from the dead, I would not have experienced this in my heart. You see how we, we build line upon line, precept on precept as a teacher. So therefore, I'm not concerned about death in the sense of where am I going to spend eternity? Where am I? I'm living this message to the best of my ability. I know I'm going to have a resurrected body. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are more pitied than all men. Uh, verse 29, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. See, still future tense. Uh, verse 41, the sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, the stars another, and, and the stars different from star and splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. Here's the key to all of this. I believe to the degree that I work out my salvation unto holiness, be holy as I am holy, the Lord says, to that degree it will have an effect on the splendor of my glorified body in eternity. And people will just look at me and they'll know how I've lived my life. I want to be as close to Jesus as possible because he is the prize. And so work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And then he goes on to talk about um, the resurrection of the dead and, and the rapture and so forth. See, all of that is going to happen, and that is all future tense. And so we have the salvation of our spirit has already happened when we accept Jesus. The salvation of our soul is a process that we go through by being humble and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us. And then glorification is the resurrection of our body where we are totally delivered from all evil for eternity and have a glorified body. So we're going to end right there for now, and we'll start again in the next session. But please keep coming back and hearing these teachings. They are so crucial in this timetable of God's plan. Thank you.
speak in my ear.